welcome to our new edition of IQEQ CFO eLab. As the private equity, real estate, and private debt industries continue to evolve, we understand that the role of the CFO is transforming into a more critical one than ever before. With this in mind, we have launched a special program in the form of a series of online masterclasses provided by industry experts. What differentiates this program from others is that for each session, we aim to shed light on both the technical and practical sides of a particular topic. For our session today, we will discuss the role of technology and expert services as the enabler in helping CFOs move away from a back office function to more of a front office function. Indeed, the rapid global spread and continued prevalence of COVID-19 has created unprecedented challenges for CFOs who are having to constantly recalibrate their operating models in order to navigate the turmoil triggered by the crisis. With travel restrictions, social distancing measures, and other strict health protocols becoming entrenched, it is evident that transitioning to a, a remote work environment is imperative for business continuity in the near term and growth prospects over the medium term. In a post-pandemic world, CFOs must increasingly focus on looking at ways to create efficiency within internal functions, while ensuring proper capacity planning to take on new business projects and initiatives. This crisis has also underlined the need for robust technical, technological platforms to allow for the automation of certain key functions. Against this backdrop, leveraging technology and extra expert services have become more essential than ever. To discuss this subject, I'm delighted to welcome to our session today, Mr. Sanjay Talani, Head of Private Markets for Europe at FIS, who will discuss the importance of technology for CFOs. Boris Onafater, Chairman and Global Head of Outsourced Services at Constellation Advisors, the firm he set up in 2008. Boris focuses his efforts working with investment management clients and investors, supporting their accounting, compliance, middle office, governance, due diligence, and operational infrastructure needs. And Razak Akbar, Chief Financial Officer of Freshstream, a mid-market private equity fund focused on the UK and Benelux markets, who will share his perspective on the subject. Following these presentations, we will open the floor for an audience Q&A. Each presentation will last no more than 10 minutes. It is now my pleasure to kick off the session by handing over to Sanjay. Sanjay, the virtual floor is yours. Hi, I'm Sanjay Talani, Head of Private Markets for FIS in Europe, and thank you for joining today's session. We will be discussing the impact of technology on the CFO and private markets. And the key point of today's discussion will start off by talking about the expanded role of the CFO in private equity. We'll also talk about how COVID has changed uh, the, the role of the CFO, followed by a look at the strategic priorities for a private equity firm. Once we do that, we'll also talk about the, the investor view, right? The customer is always important, followed by a look at the portfolio side, the asset side, and what the CFO is, is doing in that area. And finally, we'll finish up by talking about uh, what is the focus area for CFOs as it relates to technology. So the first point is about the expanded role for the, the CFO in, in private equity. You know, the CFO in our industry is no longer the person who's spending all their time on accounting and financial statements. Over the years, as we know, the remit of the CFO has expanded into other areas of the business. 
And they involve so much more in fundraising as investors look to better understand the operations and finance platform of the funds they are looking to invest in. And the finance teams are also involved in the portfolio side, supporting the investment teams with data collection and also preparation. And, you know, CFOs and the teams are also increasingly involved and part of the conversation as it relates to ESG, which are on the minds of investors and something that all funds are really paying attention to these days. So these are some of the, the examples of the additional responsibility of CFOs. And of course, this can vary depending on the size of the firm, their profile, as well as the working culture. Now, if we dive a little bit deeper into COVID and how that's affected the role of the CFO, they've been right in the middle of the discussions of how to adapt to COVID, right? The first focus when COVID hit last year was number one, let's make sure everybody's healthy and in a good place. And after that, the next point was we can't get into the office. How do we ensure that our colleagues have secure access to the technology that's required to go on working as we look to adapt to how COVID has hit, right? And this happened fairly smoothly because investments made by private equity firms as it relates to technology with remote access have been in place for, for quite a bit of time now. And also, I think what's been really helpful has been the adoption of cloud. And our own experience validates this as, as more than 90% of our new customers choose to host with FIS for any time, anywhere access in a really secure environment, right? And, and the additional challenge which everyone faced was adapting to a virtual work environment from a people perspective, connectivity, as well as communication. And all of us really had to get used to, you know, doing meetings on Zoom or Teams or whatever technology we're using. And CFOs have been really instrumental in, in helping private equity firms ensure that they've got the, the right platform in place to continue to communicate as a firm. And also staying in touch with, with LPs, obviously, which is very, very crucial. Now, if you think about uh, you know, how you've gone on to look at the strategic priorities of a private equity firm, and as we, wait, as we start to work our way off the lockdown and COVID restrictions start to ease, life in the UK here where I'm based uh, is slowly getting back to normal. You know, the focus for CFO is also increasingly on alignment of the strategy of the firms. And when I looked at the, the 2021 annual ENY private equity survey for CFOs, you know, it indicated again, once again, that asset growth continues to be the top priority for private market firms, right? And this is not surprising if you've been following the trends around fundraising and the fact that, you know, investors continue to commit more and more capital to, to private markets. And then depending on the size of the firm, and depending on the profile, where they are in their life cycle, firms also are looking to expand into multiple strategies, right? So that they are looking to expand the relationship they have with existing investors. For example, a firm that is focused on, on buyouts or mid-markets are seeing a lot of activity in private debt and they're creating a vertical focused on private debt. That's one example. Another example might be a fund of funds. They're doing primary investments. They're seeing that there's a real momentum in the, the secondary markets and they're looking to create a secondary practice. So I think these are all things that are really creating further involvement for the CFO to help their, their, their firms to really focus in on how do we adapt to growth, right? It's a good problem to have. How do you adapt to growth? And it's how, how do you ensure that you are positioned and ready for the next step in the growth cycle? And when you think about the LPs, right? The, 
change that continues to happen in our industry as it evolves with so much more interest in the asset class. Uh, the larger, more experienced investors have been making investments in people, in technology, and they continue to see greater transparency on, on fund and portfolio data. There are also reporting standards in place in our industry. Um, it's been put in place by organizations such as ILPA and Invest Europe. But the larger LPs, they, they, a lot of them increasingly want to supplement that, the data that's provided a standard, and they're looking to get into a much more deeper level of analysis, which means that CFOs are increasingly being asked to send custom templates to fill out by the larger LPs. And depending on the size of the commitment, that can always have an effect on you know, the, the data and the responsiveness that a CFO might have about creating a custom data set for a larger LPs. And then you know you notice that uh, private equity firms with CFOs leading the charge, looking to find ways of improving the investor experience by creating much more of a self-service capability, sharing information around dashboards, portfolio data, vintage information, and really all the things that investors are looking for, and making that available on a on a portal, which means that investors are more and more able to service themselves on an anytime basis and get their data as they need it. The, the other area where private market firms are looking to improve and really make sure the, the service to investors is, is getting further enhanced is by improving the KYC AML process, which can be repetitive, cumbersome, a little bit tedious, really not a lot of value there, but it's a necessity. And a lot of uh, private equity firms are focusing on either technology or outsourcing as a solution of completing the KYC AML process and trying to use technology to reduce the duplication that sometimes comes into play with the KYC AML process. And when you think about the, the asset side, uh, you know, the private equity firms are also uh, looking at making sure that they're getting a lot of transparency on the portfolio. Um, there's a lot of data collection, harmonization, uh, you know, preparation that's required to get the data ready for, for deal professionals and for investors when it's sent out to them as well. And private equity firms are seeing that the responsibility is being passed on much more and more CFO and support role and their teams to gather the data, put it in a place so that it's really ready for review and analysis by the deal teams. So really, when you think about the role of the private equity CFO, their role is bigger than ever. They're getting involved really not only in supporting the growth objectives of the firm, but also ensuring that investors are getting the best experience. And they're also looking to support the deal teams in, in providing value add around the data collection process in ensuring that the, the information is available in a consolidated, cohesive way for portfolio analysis and valuation purposes. And then you talk about the, the key focus areas for CFOs in the future. You know, all of this really brings to mind that when you have growth on the LP side, you have different types of investors coming into your funds. You're also looking at um, fundraising where you're trying to grow, grow your assets, perhaps go into multiple different strategies. You know, what really is a common theme here is that there's much more data to deal with. And when you've got so much more data to deal with, it's not only held in-house, but it's also potentially with the fund administrator. Uh, perhaps like an IQEQ, who who the the fund the private equity firm is outsourcing to, it could also be that some of the data is being held in house. If a firm chooses to do the fund administration 
internally using FIS InvestTran for fund administration, or it could be a combination of both, right? Some, some firms, depending on the size, their shape, their profile, might choose to outsource but still have an internal system to manage the investor experience. But it doesn't just stop over there, right? And it's also looking at the, the portfolio side, the data collection that we spoke about earlier. It's also sharing data on the portal. It's looking at deal flow at CRM. And increasingly, as a private equity firm is expanding, you find the data is sitting in different silos. And one of the key challenges really is to how do you bring all this data together to have one enterprise view so that it potentially gives you the 360 view to enable the deal team to make a much more informed decision on, on deals. It's potentially having all of the information about your investor, about potential investors in one place as well to accelerate the fundraising process or to perhaps provide a, a better experience to investors. And, you know, bring the data together. It, it gives your organization one view of what the enterprise information looks like. So you've got really a clear understanding about performance, about information about the investors, as well as key metrics about the company itself, which enables you to have a really aligned view about how you're viewing your, your information about your company. And I think the, the data coming together, uh, the integration comes into a really as a key part of what a private equity firm and a CFO is looking to do at the stage. We're seeing a lot of interest around how do we take all these different lakes of data, bring them all together so we can have a, a collective view together. And as FIS, you know, we are offering market leading solutions to our clients and of course to the industry for many, many years. But our role is really to make sure that you know, we support our clients by providing them not only the best in class tools, but also ensuring we provide the integration capabilities. So when a CFO is looking at choices they're making around technology in different areas of the business, the integration allows them to choose because the key thing is connectivity. And the key thing is that ensuring that all your different data sources are talking to each other and providing you one collective view around the information. And I think, you know, some of the, the, the changes that, that were driven by COVID over the last 18 months or so have also created a real move towards digitalization, where information is really available on an anytime, anywhere basis. Investors are looking to get access to this data on a much more frequent basis. And really, how do you use that technology? How do you use that platform to provide transparency to investors while increasingly getting sophisticated? while increasingly investing in their own technology to be able to digest that data and then be able to do their own analysis about what is the risk in their own portfolio, right? So the LP view is really critical. And as the, the CFO is looking to, you know, uh, potentially bring all this data together, they're also trying to stay on top of trends in the industry. You know, one of the other things that is, is really centered for a CFO is, is cybersecurity. It's about secure access. It's making sure that they are working with vendors who are best in class and being up to speed with, you know, what does Microsoft Azure offer? What does AWS offer as a, as a data center provider? So that it's really important. The, the security part of it is something you are able to share and provide reassurance to the investor as well. And as a, the private markets, our industry tends to grow. It becomes much more mainstream. You know, there's new firms offering solutions geared towards our industry, which really, you know, it makes it exciting times ahead for CFOs and, and really some real opportunity to use technology to help achieve strategic goals, 
to continue to improve the investor experience and also to get ready for the future, which is looking really, really bright. And I wanted to really finish off with that thought. Um, also wanted to say thank you very much to IQEQ for inviting FIS and myself to be part of this session. And thanks very much to you for listening today. Hello. Today we're going to talk about CFO support services. This service line has been expanding and growing incredibly rapidly because our clients essentially see a lot of value in providing their accounting and finance teams the necessary support. I've never met a CFO who said that they were overstaffed and they had luxury of time. Every CFO I know, short of time, there's a lot of work to be done, and they're pressured to get the results and get them quickly. So to the rescue, come IQEQ. The service line has been in existence for many years, and we are improving and enhancing it all the time. Our, we're dubbing this is CFO Extra Support Services. Because this is an opportunity to really help the accounting and finance personnel deliver their best and help deliver projects that are key and important to running and growing a business. Some examples would be developing fund manager's back office and middle office, basically providing the entirety or components of it. Assisting controller, accounting and finance and bookkeeping functions throughout the organization. Budgeting is a key component of a successful business and we can help with forecasts, budgets, as well as underlying technology to make sure it all works. Overcoming financial challenges like cash flows is critically important. Navigating events like audits come every single year and one is over and the other one's just starting again. System implementations, data migrations. When you're going out for a capital raise, you need the support, the necessary support that you may not readily have. Well, now you do. Helping achieve specific goals, like preparing an exit strategy or preparing for an IPO, is also requires a lot of resources. But it's not just about the fund side of things. It's also the management company accounting. It's also about financial and operational controls. It's also about the fund oversight. It's basically the full package to assist the CFO, or from time to time, we can become a CFO as well to help you in your growth. CFO support services team augments and works with your in-house CFO, controller, and their teams to provide critical functions that may be necessary for your growth. So how can we bring value to the organization? One is potential cost savings. You don't have to hire a full-time person if there isn't enough work for a full-time person. We have clients who hire us 
to perform work that's two, three hours a month. Some clients hire us to perform on a full-time uh, basis. But the beauty is a lot of the services we do perform, depending on your documents, private placement memorandums, and uh, foundational documents, this can be borne by the fund. Check with your attorneys and check your documents. But most of our clients actually do pass this through to the funds. Our team can also assist with operational and financial controls. And it's a turnkey access whenever you, you need it. Effectively, with the resources, you can turn the spigot on and off as you need to. As you, need to. you can avoid recruiting and HR headaches and distractions from your business goals. Generally, one or two phone calls is all it takes to be able to figure out the right resource, the right expertise for a long-term or short-term uh, initiative as, as you move your business forward. And sometimes we come with technology if you don't have it. Or technology, we could run you know, any technology that's commercially available in the marketplaces and do so all the time with our clients. We can help you with data issues as well as make a consistent internal process. And very frequently, this does make your investors, sponsors feel a lot better. So wanted to get, just show you a couple of examples uh, and case studies of how we've worked with others. So in one case, and by the way, there are probably hundreds of cases that I could have uh, brought here today, but um, I chose these three because I think they show um, the depth and the breadth of what we can do. So we had a new fund manager who came to us and wanted to for us to assist in the launch advisory. So we set him up from soup to nuts, um, found the service providers for him, even looked at real estate and, and, and space, we developed all the policies and procedures, including operational due diligence policies, uh, and got them through uh, and, and developed checklists and questionnaires so they could pass due diligence, uh, institutional level due diligence. We provided for an in initial setup, which included all the controls, both operational and financial controls, documentation of the entire process, and then we continued ongoing support. And for ongoing support, we essentially took down and, and dealt with the entirety of the, of the back office. In another case, a client came to us and hired us for an operational continuity. What is operational continuity? To alleviate some of the key man risk issues and challenges. Having an operational continuity where we come in and learn the process, we understand exactly what's going on, we document the process, and then we leave and then come back on a periodic basis to refresh. So we've done that in this, in this case. A couple of years later, we received a phone call that the CFO is going out on maternity leave and they needed to activate our services, which we've done. When the CFO, uh, a new mom, uh, wanted to come back, we essentially transitioned everything back, but because of the value we added, they did want us to come in and help with certain bespoke components of the business. 
that's you know that's a good story. We've had stories of operational continuity where um, we were brought on a, on a moment's notice because someone resigned. We had um, other instances where someone uh, gotten sick as well. So um, it's a great way for us to be able to learn the process and be on standby to be able to help our clients in case they need us. Case study uh, three is a client brought us in to help them with the management company accounting. Management company, essentially, we were doing books and records for uh, the corporate books and records for the management company. We paid bills. We set up all the accounts. We did all the bank reconciliations. We basically took care of everything in the management company, including doing payroll and, and uh, dealing with the benefits and reported to the CEO you know, on a periodic basis. Quarterly is what this client particularly wanted the reporting to be. And in addition to that, we also provided fund oversight. So we did NAV reviews, allocations amongst all the investors. We provided oversight over the administrator, provided audit support, and uh, got them through an audit, as well as tax support. So basically, the portfolio manager was concerned about managing money, and we took care of the entirety of, of the back office. So those are just some examples, but as you see needs, as you see some assistance that you may need, whether it be temporary, whether it's a function that someone wanted uh, to perform, we're happy to step in on a periodic basis and uh, or on a full-time, more full-time basis as well, and help you deliver for your clients. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, very good to be talking to you all today. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about myself, uh, but just, uh, just a quick high-level background just so you know who I am. Uh, so I'm the CFO of uh, Freshstream. We are a mid-market uh, private equity firm based in the UK and the Netherlands. Uh, we launched our first fund back in 2015 uh, with an AUM of 600 million euros, and we are currently uh, fundraising for our second fund. Um, I'm a chartered accountant by trade, uh, but I'm actually also um, a computer science graduate. Uh, so technology has always been a very, very key area of interest for me, uh, as you'd expect. Um, and therefore, as a result, throughout my career, I've always been on the lookout for ways to try and um, automate and improve on efficiencies uh, in everything that I do. Um, so today's uh, topic on the role of technology for CFOs um, is indeed something quite close to my heart. And um and also something I think is becoming ever more relevant, um, especially in the data-driven world that we live in today. Right. Um, so I'm going to begin by asking the question, uh, what is the role of today's CFO? Now, if you, if you ask most people what the role of a CFO is, they'd probably make a list not too dissimilar to this one. Um, here you have the usual suspects, um, investor reporting. Uh, KPI and value creation monitoring, uh, budgeting, cash flow management, etc. Um, you know, now obviously the role of a CFO, you know, it's, it's ever evolving, and I'm 
I'm certain I've probably missed out a couple of items here. Um, ESG, for instance, you know, it's, it's an area that often uh, falls within the remit of the CFO function. Um, and it's obviously, you know, it's indeed increasingly important these days. Um, but I think if you, I think most people would agree that a fair chunk of what CFOs are responsible for uh, falls into some or all of these key buckets. Now, I have a somewhat uh, alternative view. Um, so my view uh, is that most, if not all the items on this list, actually falls into the role of technology um, and not the CFO. So I, I guess, I, I guess you, must, you, know, you might be wondering you know, if, if that's the case, uh, you know, what is the role of a CFO? The, the role of a CFO, in my view, is actually decision-making, full stop. Now, this is what we as CFOs should be focusing all our time and effort on, uh, which unfortunately is not always the case. Uh, but, you know, but th this is what we are, you know, this is what we actually pay to do uh, and not, not all the other items that we had on that list. Um, so I guess that leads us to the question of how should CFOs go about leveraging technology to the maximum extent possible? Um, the, the best approach, I think, um, is to take a high-level approach and map out all the key inputs and outputs of the function that you would like to automate and streamline. Um, so, so, you know, the, the, the ideal system environment is one where the only inputs that you, you know, i.e. us as CFOs are responsible for, are those that require decision-making and analysis. And all the other inputs should be automatic. So I'm going to give you an example of how we designed our system environment um, for the reporting function uh, here at Freshstream. Now, the first thing we did was identify all the inputs of our uh, reporting function across our three uh, main uh, reporting pil uh, pillars. So here you can see um, uh, ESG reporting, uh, fund level reporting, and portfolio level reporting. Um, and then we further split our inputs into internal inputs. So, you know, these are the inputs from my side, uh, which you can see here on the first row, um, and external inputs. So, you know, th this is from external third parties, uh, and this you can see on, this, on, this, on the second row. Um, so, you know, you will notice that the internal inputs, you know, the, uh, those ones that our internal function is, is responsible for, um, is largely focused on decision-making inputs. So, you know, mainly being the, the, the setting of performance targets and the analysis of the ESG metrics, KPIs and value creation initiatives and et cetera. Um, and, and all the other inputs have been mapped out to external third parties. Um, so, so, so my CFO function does not get involved with any of these data inputs. You know, they're, they're all managed um, either by outsourced service providers, um, such as our administrators and consultants, um, or directly by portfolio companies. So, you know, here you can see, you know, this includes ESG emissions data, uh, financials, KPIs, and VCP uh, updates, and et cetera. So the next thing we did was map out our systems requirement. Um, so here you can see we decided on three key systems, uh, one for our ESG, uh, then we have a portfolio monitoring system, 
and also a VCP uh, management and tracking system. Um, now, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered when you're deciding on which system uh, you will implement. Um, you know, questions like, uh, will you use an off-the-shelf package or a bespoke solution? Um, who's going to maintain the system? Now, are, are you going to uh, maintain it internally? Um, or will it have a managed, uh, so, or will you have a managed service from your um, service provider? Um, you know, also, you know, are, are you going to use a single jack of all trades, uh, one single system? Um, or will you use a specialist system for each key area? Um, for instance, at ESG, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of specialist uh, packages out there that focus entirely on, 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 on ESG. Now, you know, now, now obviously there's no uh, right or wrong answer to any of these questions. And, and, um, and, and it does depend largely on your internal firm requirements, um, budget and, and resource capacity. Um, but I would say that there are two things that are quite important uh, when you're deciding on your system requirement. Um, the first one is compatibility. So, you know, it's quite important that all the systems must integrate and collaborate, um, uh, and not only between themselves, uh, but also uh, between the systems that your external service providers, consultants, uh, portfolio companies use to input their data. Um, data should be able to migrate seamlessly between the systems um, uh, in, in a format that's compatible across all the different platforms. Uh, and this is quite fundamental, you know, as it will ensure that you'll um, system acts as uh, acts cohesively as essentially one single system. <clears throat> and here, you know, as you can see, there's a there's a lot of red arrows uh, on my chart, and you know, you can see all the all the various different systems that they're they're all linking into each other. Um, the second important thing I would say is scalability and flexibility. Um, so your system environment must be able to scale up. So you know, so you can easily add new investments, new funds, and and etc. Um, and it must also be flexible. You know, so so you can easily change the the type of data that you want the system to handle and manipulate. So you know, you know, compatibility, scalability, and flexibility, I would say, are uh, key attributes that you want to at least give um, some thought to uh, when you're design, uh, designing your system uh, environment. And then uh, finally, you need to map out, uh, you know, decide and map out all the outputs that you want the system to um, automatically generate. Uh, so for us, uh, this was our ESG reporting, uh, our quarterly investor reporting that goes out, and our internal uh, interactive Power BI based uh, dashboard. So all of these reports for us, uh, they're automatically generated uh, from the systems that we have implemented. Uh, and also from the underlying uh, data inputs, and that's that's it really. You know, so you know, once you've um, once you've designed your system require environment at a high level, um, the rest of it generally falls in place. Um, so you know, for, for for us, the focus was on leveraging technology. Um, as much as possible to ensure that our uh, that the internal reporting function is focused mostly on the decision-making side of things. And we just let technology do all the rest. Uh, so this obviously gives me a lot more time to be able to focus um, on other core parts of the business. That's probably all that I have time for today. 
Um, but, uh, you know, th thank you all for listening. Uh, and I hope uh, you found at least uh, some of it uh, useful. Um, but no, obviously, uh, happy, happy to open the floor to, uh, to any questions. Thank you very much, Boris, Sanjay, and Raz, for those insightful thoughts. Now we can move to our Q&A part of the program. And I, I'd like to start with a question first for Boris. Um, Boris, what are the main advantages to using CFO services? Thanks very much, JP. Great question. So uh, first of all, it's, it brings the resources on as-needed basis directly to our clients. Secondly, uh, most of the time, depending on the docs, uh, these services can be born and paid for by the funds. And probably the most important thing, it's real expertise uh, at the time you need them. Uh, they're available and we have a resource pool in over throughout the organization. We have um, you know, hundreds and thousands of people who would be able to uh, help on as needed basis with almost any issue. And that's probably the most valuable component of the service. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Boris. Uh, Sanjay, um, next for you. Um, how is the LP drive for transparency influence private fund uh, CFOs in the use of technology? Hey, thanks, JP. Uh, I think that the, the LPs in the industry have, over the years, increasingly been looking for more and more data and transparency as it relates to the asset side, as it relates to performance, as it relates to fees. And it's really forced private equity firms to get better organized, but having the information available so that they can share it with LPs on a timely basis. And some of the questions are standard questions that you would be familiar with, but at the same time, as new and new profiles of LPs uh, start to invest in private equity, you find that the, the, the types of questions coming in are a little bit more nuanced. So I think to get ready for this, uh, private equity firms, CFOs have been really focusing on how do you get better organized using technology, getting the data in one place and providing the tools so that not only is a private equity firm internally as an investor relations team and a finance team to be able to respond to investor requirements and requests for data, but also adding in the self-service component by providing direct access to interactive data to LPs as well. And I think this has been a really big focus because LPs, the customer, is at, at, at the end of the day, the uh, stakeholder you want to look out for the most. And I think this, this trend drive for transparency is going to continue as the industry continues to mature. Thank you for that. Um, Raz, one, one for you. Um, will the next big move for um, private fund CFOs be to shift their focus from technology to data? So uh, that, that's a good question, uh, JP. Um, I think it's one that gets asked quite a lot uh, these days. Now, I might not be giving you the answer that you're expecting, um, but I do think that technology and data, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, so I don't think you can have one without the, without the other, at least in my opinion. Um, now we all know, obviously data is obviously, you know, there's the key buzzword that everyone's using these days. Um, but I think what's more important is what you do with that data. So, you know, I, how well can you analyze and make sense of that data? And then obviously then, you know, subsequently make decisions on that analysis. 
Um, and this, is, this, I think, is where technology kind of needs to fill in the gap. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, there is one problem that I think a lot of firms have is where they're now starting to collect all this data. Um, but unfortunately, they obviously, you know, they're starting to get a little bit lost on what to do with it all. Um, so while there's increasingly more demand for more data, uh, there will be, I think, um, a greater shift towards technology. You know, so things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, and et cetera, um, to help us uh, interpret that data at a much more granular level. Uh, and then obviously, hopefully, helping us and portfolio companies make uh, better decisions. Okay, thank you for that, Raz. Boris, another one for you. Uh, how quickly can you onboard a new client? Actually, fairly quickly. We've onboarded clients uh, in less than a day. Uh, essentially, we get the phone call that someone needs to come in. In, in this particular case, the CFO uh, had resigned uh, abruptly, and we come in. Uh, we were in the very next afternoon uh, trying to onboard. Generally, we like between two weeks and 30 days, uh, give or take to make sure that there's a proper transfer of knowledge, uh, but it is much, much, much quicker than going out recruiting and waiting for, um, uh, for someone to come back. So we're, we're really, really uh, doing it quickly. Uh, thank you. And another, another question for you, Sanjay. Um, what do you see as the top technology priorities for the private fund CFOs for say the next 12 to 24 months? Great question there, JP. I think uh, as private equity firms, are looking to adapt to the next stage after COVID. Technology in place to really help people work remotely is in place already. They're focusing on ensuring that it's optimizing the remote work that people are already used to. Beyond that, the, the market, the industry is growing so quickly. Uh, firms are increasing their asset size. Uh, private equity firms are diversifying into different asset classes as private debt or infrastructure. Uh, with all these different moving parts, you know, maybe the question, the point that Raz made about data being a buzzword, it's really looking at the, the different uh, islands of data that are existing within a private markets firm, whether it's at the fund administrator, whether it's stored in-house, or perhaps it's at a third-party outsourcing firm. The challenge is really how do you bring all that information together so it's available at the fingertips for investment managers, for investors, so that you know, they are able to access the information, number one, and for DLC and deal teams to have the information available to make the, the best possible decision based on real-time information. And it's also, I think, making sure that investors have the, the best experience by providing information that they require uh, and on self-service platform. Thank you, Sanjay. Raz, another one for you, maybe a, a bit of a personal one for you is Perhaps you can describe some of the challenges you went through uh, within Freshstream in setting up your systems environment when you came on board. Sure. Uh, now, I would love to be able to sit here and say that it all went smoothly with uh, no issues at all, uh, but I'd be lying. Um, it, would, it, it was very much a trial and error-based approach. Um, it wasn't easy. Um, we, we did learn a couple of lessons. Um, and to be honest, you know, we're still learning, you know, it's, it's, it, and we're always looking to improve on how we do things. And that's obviously never going to, never going to stop. Um, so some of the items I mentioned in my presentation, in fact, um, for example, the importance of making sure that all your systems are 
compatible, um, scalable, and flexible. Um, they all came from our experience of setting up our infrastructure. We we were also very lucky um, that our service providers that we partnered up with, uh, they were very helpful. Um, especially the ones who helped set up our portfolio monitoring platform. Um, they were very flexible and adaptable. Um, and and uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> uh, to my ever-changing needs, they were very, very patient uh, with me as well. Um, I would, however, say that it works two ways. So, you know, the, the, the service providers, they've also themselves learned quite a lot. Um, so it's, it's been an iterative process for, for all of us, really. Um, so I guess my final piece of advice would be to do your research um, and make sure you do, do choose the right service providers, uh, which, you know, at least for us has been quite important. Thank you for that. Um, very sensible advice. I've, I've got a final question for Boris here. Um, and I, I guess I'd be interested in knowing how do you interact um, with administrators in your business, whether it is with IQEQ or whether it's with uh, another provider? It uh, actually quite quite uh, dependent on who the administrator is. Uh, generally, we are, as the outsourced CFO support function, we, we're placed in a position to oversee the administrators. So we uh, function from a check and balance perspective uh, as an oversight. So we review uh, the functions uh, that the administrator performs on a periodic basis. We review the reconciliations. We look at um, how the transactions have been recorded, but essentially we're there to provide oversight in many instances um, in overseeing the functionality of, uh, of what an administrator does. We also supplement uh, an administrator as, uh, as necessary to make sure there are no gaps between where the firm, you know, from the firm's perspective to the administrator. So we fill in that void and gap uh, as necessary uh, to, to support. And whether the administrator is IQEQ or a different administrator, it's uh, for us, it doesn't matter. We basically come into the workflow and just uh, function as your in internal team would uh, under all circumstances. Back to you, Jamie. Thank you for that, Boris. Uh, that brings a close to, uh, to this edition of the IQEQ CFO eLab. Uh, I'd like to thank um, Boris, Sanjay, and Raz for participating. And I'd like to thank uh, all of those watching for, uh, for your attention. So thank you very much.